Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The Ravens have done it. Congratulations, Baltimore Ravens. They have extended the all-time preseason consecutive win streak record to 21 with a 23-10 win over the Tennessee Titans. I really thought Mike Vrabel would try to – because they have that history, Vrabel and Harbaugh. I just yeah. thought that maybe there'd be – but Vrabel gets it. Look, the number one goal in preseason is to emerge – with as many healthy players as possible. And I understand. Tyler Huntley, the Ravens quarterback, said it just speaks a lot to the culture. And Harbaugh has said last year, I think everything has meaning. And and there are plenty of things that are meaningless to one person that are meaningful to another. But we know how it works in the NFL. After the preseason ends, it's like the standings weren't even there. They're just gone. The Lions were 4-0 in the preseason in 2008. Nobody cares. That didn't give them some sort of an asterisk or caveat to going 0-16. They were 0-16. That's all that mattered. The games don't matter. The Ravens have made them matter. The Ravens have taken some sort of pride in this. And this is the same team that took pride in consecutive 100-yard rushing games, keeping that streak alive, which created a lot of criticism last year from Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos. So it means nothing to me. It is kind of weird that they care about it. And as long as they don't do something stupid like Rex Ryan did nine years ago when he put Mark Sanchez back in the Snoopy Bowl against the Giants to try to win that game and Sanchez injured his shoulder, unless and until Harbaugh does something stupid that undermines his ability to have a healthy football team for week one and beyond of the regular season, then I'm fine with them trying to win every game as long as they stick with their plan of who's going to play and they don't put guys at undue risk. And by the way, the record in the regular season is held by the Patriots, and it's 21 games. But it is kind of, I don't know, noteworthy, I guess is the word, that they haven't lost a preseason game since September of 2015. Kyle Hamilton, one of their players, is a freshman in high school the last time the Ravens lost 
in the preseason. So it's been a long, long time since this team has lost a preseason game. They'd rather have that 21 games be in the regular season and the postseason, which, by the way, the most you would win if you went 17-0 and would be you'd only play three postseason games, so 20 is the most you can win in a season. And, Mike, do you think we'll ever see a team? I was thinking about this. We were talking about this the other day at the Hall of Fame. Like, I think the 17th game rules out a team ever going undefeated in this league. I mean, it was hard to do. The Patriots obviously did it in the regular season a few years ago, but I think the 17th game just makes it impossible. Like, it'll never happen. Like, the Dolphins, before the season even starts, can pop that champagne, the 72 Dolphins, because I just don't think it's ever going to be done in the regular season. I, I never thought it would be done in 16, so I'm not going to say it'll never be done in 17 because it's just one more game. It's just one more game, right? They've already done it once to 16. It's just one more game to take it to 17. I will say this about the preseason, though, and this is why I'm not impressed by a 21-game winning streak. Most teams aren't trying to win in the preseason. You're trying to win in the regular season. A lot of teams don't care. They They just don't care about the outcome of a preseason game. So it's not as impressive when you win that game. And... You know, I'd have to go back and look at every game and understand the circumstances. You get a young team with a new coach. You know, sometimes you see a little more effort, but it's all vanilla defenses, no real game planning. I, it's just, it's a far cry. And it's a false comparison to winning games that count because it's a different level of effort that's put into it. It's a different level of preparation. It's a different level of adjusting. And if you really want to win preseason games, it's so much easier to do that. If you really go into it, even if you're not using your starters the whole game, if you're just like, we're going to use our backups, but we're going to try to win this game. Our goal is to win this game. It's easier in the preseason, far easier than in the regular season. A win for the Ravens also included Tyler Huntley going 16 for 18 for 109 yards and a touchdown. So it sounds like a lot of short passes for Huntley, who started four games last year in place of Lamar Jackson. And, hey, Huntley's a guy that, that you know, they need to be evaluating as a potential Lamar Jackson replacement, Shereen, if they just never can get a long-term contract done with Jackson. And I personally don't believe, I don't know, but I don't believe they're going to get a deal done before week one with Jackson. He'll play this year. And I don't know... And I don't strongly believe that they're going to get one done with him in the offseason. I I said earlier this week the only way I think it happens is if they make him a non-exclusive franchise tag recipient, another team signs him to an offer sheet, and the Ravens match it. That may be the only way they do a long-term deal. So Huntley's a guy that they have to be thinking about as their post-Lamar Jackson quarterback. Yeah, I think so, Mike. You evaluate him this preseason, and you see what you have in him, and you've seen enough probably in the regular season in the games that Lamar Jackson uh, missed last year. Do you think he can win for you? And so, yeah, this is a good time for Tyler Huntley to get some more experience and and get some more reps, and that's what you need is that game experience, those those joint practices that you have, those preseason games when it's a different team across from you, that's when you find out what a guy has. And so they're going to they're gonna look at him and, and see. And it's a great point, Mike, that they've got to figure out their future beyond this season if Lamar Jackson doesn't sign a long-term deal with them. They do have to start thinking about the future. What are we going to do with the position? And I know they have. And maybe Tyler Huntley is that option that you have, and they'll look elsewhere probably too. But 
They're not going to have a high draft pick. They never have a high draft pick because they're always right there, Mike, being competitive as they were last year, even when Lamar Jackson went out. They're just going to always be that competitive team that's going to be right there in the playoffs, if not in the playoffs. So getting that high pick to get a quarterback probably is not realistic. They got Lamar Jackson, obviously, in the first round with the 32nd overall pick. So maybe they think they can evaluate quarterbacks really well and draft one later, and he becomes Lamar Jackson again. But whatever, they've got to start thinking about that plan, and I know they have about what happens if. Because you're right, there's no guarantee Lamar Jackson signs a long-term deal with the Ravens. They may pick up another first-round pick if they trade him or if someone signs him to an offer sheet that the Ravens don't match, and then they can package those together. I mean, if if they use the non-exclusive franchise tag and someone signs him and they don't match it, they get two first-round picks, 23 and 24. You can take both of those and your first-round pick, however low it may be, and get yourself in position, if you decide to do it, to go get a quarterback in the draft as you can move yourself up high in the stack. But that's all to be determined. One thing to be determined for the Titans, what's the future of Malik Willis, a guy who was a third-round pick but a big enough name, regarded by many as the first quarterback to be drafted in 2022. He wasn't. Kenny Pickett went to the Steelers with the 20th overall selection. But Malik Willis going to Tennessee, creating questions about the future of Ryan Tannehill. We got to see Malik Willis last night. Here is Coach Mike Vrabel on the performance of the rookie quarterback from Liberty. Yeah, I mean, it's different. It's a new experience, you know, for all these guys. You know, we got a lot of rookies on this team, and there's going to be a lot of guys that, you know, will continue to develop and get better and, and just want to make sure that they're, um, you know, they're competing each and every day and they understand how difficult this league is. And, you know, especially as a, as a young quarterback, you know, to, to step back in there with a live rush and, you know, seeing coverage. And, you know, that's that's why we have these preseason games. That's why I wanted to put out there. That's why I wanted to take the ball and, you know, to, to put him in those situations, that's the only way that you can grow. Um, you know, and, and again, he kept some plays alive with his legs, and, and we just have to be able to combine some of that with, with making great decisions when guys are, are open and, and being decisive and accurate with the football. No, that's because I, I, wanted, I, I wanted Malik to throw the ball, and he, and he wasn't, so I put Logan in. So, uh, hey, Malik Willis uh, had a nifty – Touchdown run last night, completed 6 of 11 passes for 107 yards, 5 rushes for 38 yards, and uh, we just we, we, we just see. We just see how it goes. You know, it's a work in progress. Nobody expects him to have extensive playing time in the regular season this year. Ryan Tannehill's still around, looking good in camp by all indications. Here's the touchdown run from Malik Willis, and, you know, it's going to create some excitement for the Titans because... They've, they've gotten to a point where they're bumping against the ceiling that this current team overall can't get through. And it feels like Ryan Tannehill is running out of opportunities to be the guy. This isn't quite the Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes transition that we knew was coming or Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance. But I just think there's an opportunity there for Willis to take over, to take the reins from Ryan Tannehill as this Titans team continues to be good, but not great. They were the one seed, but they couldn't deliver in the divisional round. There's just something there that's keeping them back, and maybe Willis, if he develops, becomes a guy that can can make that difference, Shereen. Well, and that's why they drafted him, Mike. I think they see him as his franchise quarterback of the future. And, you know, what happens if this team, and I think this could happen, if they start out poorly, do you put Malik Willis in at that point? I also could see this team, based on what I saw with his running ability last night, Mike, I could see them using 
using Malik Willis in some situations like the Raiders used Marcus Mariota, and I think the, the Titans even used Marcus Mariota in that role uh, once he lost his starting job to, to Ryan Tannehill. So I could definitely see them using him in some situations, some running situations. Um, and, and imagine Derrick Henry and Malik Willis in the backfield together. How are you going to cover that on a short guardage or goal line situation? To me, that would be very difficult for a defense to contend with those two guys out there. So I could see him playing some in those situations, but eventually this is going to be his team, Mike. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's why they drafted him. Can't get over that hump, and you're seeing it more and more with teams not hanging on to quarterbacks. We saw it with the Rams. They got the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. They said, you know what? He's not good enough to win us the Super Bowl. We're going to move on. And that's what this feels like to me with the Titans. Ryan Tannehill's not good enough. He gets one more year to prove that he can be the guy to get us over the hump. If he's not, this is Malik Willis's team in 2023. How dare you slander a fellow Texas A&M? <laughs> I know. Great. Um, 21 was the magic number for the Ravens. They got their 21st preseason win. Shereen mentioned that the regular season record is held by the Patriots with 21, and 21 also happens to be the number of points scored last night by the Patriots, but it wasn't enough. Because the Giants, thanks to a late field goal, emerged with the victory. Yes. Yes. I don't know what the Giants' current win streak is, but it's one more than it was before yesterday. Yes, Giants. <laughs> um, the, 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 uh, look, the Giants are trying to establish something. The Patriots are trying to – I don't know. I mean, no, I don't know how to feel about the Patriots right now. But let's start with the Giants. Let's begin with Brian Dable talking about the performance of quarterback Daniel Jones, who was 6-for-10 for 69 yards against New England. Yeah, there was some some good and you know some things we could we could have back. What was he six to ten? You know, we threw a couple vertical plays there. Um, had a couple free runners relative to the protection, uh, but I thought he operated the offense well. You, you let him down on the first drive. We stalled there in the red zone, and um, you know, good first start, but certainly things to clean up. And look, I think Jones needs more time in this new offense. They have put him in a contract year by not picking up the fifth-year option. He needs to have a big year. And again, you want to balance getting ready versus getting injured, but they, they need more of this. They need him out there. He, he looked good in that opening drive. They got a field goal. It petered out deep in the end zone or deep in the uh, Patriots' end. And, uh, you know, uh, look, preseason is is – almost impossible to use as a way to draw any broad conclusions because you don't have adjustments. You don't have crunch time in the fourth quarter. You don't see if a team digs deep to get a victory because, you know, they, they finally figured it out. They finally cracked the code on what the defense is doing. It's not like that. It's just how do things look? And so far, no reason to panic if you're the Giants, but no reason to pencil yourself in for the playoffs either. Yeah, Mike, you know what the most encouraging thing was? I guess it's discouraging and encouraging all at the same time. He took some really hard hits. There were three three hits I know that, that were just really hard hits. And he had that neck injury last year. And by all accounts, he came out of that game just fine. The neck held up well. He probably needed to go through some of that. I mean, I know he said after last night that he wasn't thinking about it. But, I mean, come on. You do think about it at least a little bit until you get over that hump of, okay, I'm going to get hit. Am I going to be okay? Yeah, I'm fine. So he got through that, and that to me was very encouraging that he took some of those hits and the neck looked like it's okay for this year. And, and yeah, it's a big year for him. It's a big year for Brian Dayball to establish his program. 
Um, and so they, they looked pretty good on that drive that the starters played together. And Saquon Barkley got some snaps in and, and got some runs in. So big year for a lot of those players on that Giants team. And, and they got some action in that first game. Jimmy Garoppolo, a name that gets tied from time to time to the New York Giants. Obviously, if Daniel Jones would get injured in the preseason and if Garoppolo hasn't already been traded to the Browns, that's when things could heat up there. The New England Patriots, questions of who will be calling the plays offensively. We saw last night that early on it was offensive line coach and longtime defensive coordinator and former Lions head coach Matt Patricia. Then it was special teams coordinator, now quarterbacks coach, and in between that, Giants head coach Joe Judge. Here's a little from Bill Belichick, who coined a new catchphrase last night when being asked questions about who will be calling the plays when the games count. Hey, Bill, uh, we saw both uh, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge uh, taking turns on uh, play call duty tonight on the offense. Is that the plan moving forward, having them switch back and forth? And do you plan on naming a, uh, a single guy or going with both? Yeah, well, you know, we, we did this game. We did a lot of things in this game that are you know going to be beneficial in the long run. So whether it's on the coaching staff, playing time, players played and so forth. I mean, that's all you know, part of the process. He was asked more and more questions about that, and eventually he just said repeatedly, we're going through a process. And, and, and look, maybe the process is just like it would be for a player. I want to have some film I can analyze. I want to see how it goes for these two guys. How does Matt Patricia do? He called the plays for Brian Hoyer. How does Joe Judge do? He called the plays for Bailey Zappa, the rookie. How do they look? How does it work? How does it affect the, the rest of the team when one of them is calling plays? So that's another way to use the preseason, even though, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of unprecedented. But Bill Belichick gets the benefit of the doubt because he's got those six Super Bowl rings to have Judge and Patricia still not one of them emerging as the guy who's going to call the plays. Well, Mike, you said it last night on the text string, and I actually stole it and put it in the post, but it is the Apprentice football edition because that's what this feels like, that they're both auditioning for this role. And maybe he's already made it a decision and told them both what that decision is, the way they operate, who knows how this is going to play out or what's been told or what's been done behind the scenes. That's kind of the way the Patriots do. But you are right. If this was any other coach other than Bill Belichick, we'd be going, what is this guy doing? This is absolutely nuts what he's doing uh, with these two play callers. So at some point, they've got to make the decision and have Mac Jones in there getting the plays from whichever coach is going to be calling the plays. Or maybe both. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll or play maybe this both. game. All year long. And again, Belichick gets the benefit of the doubt because he's got those six Super Bowl championships. Let's take a break. We're going to break down some other preseason storylines as week one of the 2022 preseason continues with a little fill in the blank. We'll do that next on this Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. 
After a couple of days off, Peter King is back on the road. He spent Thursday at Denver Broncos training camp, and while he was there, he caught up with new quarterback Russell Wilson. You can find the full interview on the new NFL on NBC YouTube page. Here is part of Peter's conversation with Russell Wilson. Let's ride. Peter King of NBC Sports here at Broncos camp with Russell Wilson, the transplanted new quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Is it still a little weird for you to look down, see this uniform, to be in a different training camp after being in one place for a decade? Well, the first decade was amazing. I cherish every moment in Seattle. Um, I mean, it truly was uh, as good as it could possibly be. I mean, it just really was every day was a, was a gift. Um, and then, you know, sports happen, business happens. You, you come here, and uh, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I mean, but the key is I got, I got a lot of the same navy blue, so it's not that much different. I just got a new, new orange instead of the green. <laughs> but uh, it's been fun. It's been, Coach Hackett's been tremendous. George Payton is a leader. Um, the ownership group's amazing here. Um, been super interactive with everybody. But then also our, our guys, man, the investment, the investment of our players every day. I mean, we're getting up early. Guys are here, and a lot of guys are here early, 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 like, you know, racing to get here, you know, ready to get some extra work, ready to get some walkthroughs in, ready to do whatever on our own, you know, and that's, that investment is really critical. And uh, it's been showing up on the field like today, um, going against the Cowboys, a great team. You know, we were able to play extremely well in offense and defense. And it's, it's been an amazing journey. I think just the transition has been, it's been a hundred times better than I ever could imagine just how smooth it's been, how, how, how great everybody. But you been. were going to make that happen. It didn't matter if you went and played in Saskatchewan. <laughs> I mean, you were going to, you were going to make it work. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, that's all I know. You know, everything that you go through in life, you know, um, yeah, the, the cool thing was I was able to compare it from NC State to Wisconsin a little bit because I, I, I had gone through that transition somewhere I loved and ended up having to go somewhere else. You had to make that happen a lot faster yeah, it was, than it happened here. Well, it was quick. It was quick here even. I was just like, boom, all of a sudden I'm, I'm traded and gone. So to be here, um, you know, has been amazing. Like I said, it's it's not just the players. It's not just the coaches. It's not just the – it's it's windy in the – it's Wendy, the sweet Wendy lady, and, and she, her name's Wendy. She's, she's in the cafeteria every day bringing enthusiasm when you walk in. You know, it, it, it's, it's Vince, the, the tra- head trainer here, making sure everybody's upbeat and lifted up. It's, it's Coach Lando, the, the, the strength coach. It's everybody. It's, it's Patrick, the PR guy. I mean, it's just everybody's a part of this journey. Russell Wilson, have a fun year. Thank you, man. Thanks. Appreciate you. Let's ride. All right, let's ride. And, hey, there is something to be said about that. If an organization top to bottom has the right mindset, the right attitude, and you're bringing a guy like Russell Wilson, it elevates everyone. That was the early return on Wilson's time with the team. It elevates everyone. And if everyone's doing their job better, collectively they presumably will be. So let's do a little fill in the blank. The quarterback who will benefit the most from a fresh start this season is who, Shireen? Well, I'm going with Baker Mayfield, Mike, number one overall pick. It's obvious that the Browns didn't appreciate what he did there, gave him their first playoff win in 26 years. He played through that shoulder injury. It first happened in week two. And you can argue that he probably shouldn't have played through that the way things turned out for him in Cleveland, that he maybe should have just gone and and done what he needed to do to repair that shoulder and been out, and it probably would have been more beneficial for him for his career in Cleveland. But he played through it. He toughed it out all year long, played with that harness. It's obvious that he wasn't right, but he gutted it out for his team. And guess what? He ends up in Carolina with a new start. And this team isn't as good 
as what the Browns were, but he'll have a chance to go in there and show that he can be a really good NFL quarterback, and I believe he can, so he can get that contract with them or somebody else after this season. And I think based on stats that Deshaun Watson, whenever he plays, is an upgrade on Baker Mayfield, but he's not going to be available probably for the Browns for this season. Baker Mayfield would have been. And here's the other thing. Deshaun Watson has one playoff win. That's the same number that Baker Mayfield has. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson, uh, although I have a caveat. He'll benefit the most from a fresh start if he's right and if he's been right all along about how the Seahawks failed to use him the way he wanted to be used and if the Broncos make it happen the way that he has wanted it. This is let Russ cook. This is offense designed through him. He's not part of the system. He is the system. It is a huge difference. Every time I make that point, there are people like, what are you talking about? Every offense runs through the quarterback. No, no, it doesn't. And it didn't in Seattle. It's one of the reasons he wanted out. He wants to be Patrick Mahomes. He wants to be Josh Allen. He's getting the chance to be those guys this year. He wants to be Aaron Rodgers. He's got Aaron Rodgers, former offensive coordinator. That's what he wants to do. So if he can do it, then he benefits the most from a fresh start. If he can't, then he's going to hear of a lot of I told you so's, especially coming from Seattle. So uh, that's my caveat. But I, I have a feeling it's going to work for Russell Wilson and the Broncos. The preseason storyline, Shereen, that should be getting more attention is what? I'm going to say Derek Henry's return, Mike. I've seen nobody talk about this. And when you start talking about running backs, everybody's talking about Jonathan Taylor. He was so good last year. Guess what? Derrick Henry led the league in rushing by a lot in the eight games that he played. And he held it for a couple weeks after that. It took a long time before Jonathan Taylor actually passed him. He is the best running back in the NFL. He shouldn't have played in the postseason last year. He wasn't right. He is right now. He's going to be back. He's going to be dominating. And I think he's going to be comeback player of the year because I think he's going to have a huge year for the Titans. And they need him to have a huge year. You saw how much Ryan Tannehill missed him being the Derrick Henry that we remember in the postseason. If they had had him, maybe they win that game. He's that good, Mike. Boy, and if he would win Comeback Player of the Year, he would have a trophy to go along with Ryan Tannehill's that he won in 2019 for, as you said at the time, coming back from sucking. <laughs> so uh, that, 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 <laughs> that's the thing about Comeback Player of the Year. They give you no, they give you no definitions or standards for any of these no. things. But what are you coming back from? We know what Derrick Henry is coming back from. He's coming back from the foot injury. I think the preseason storyline that should be getting more attention is what's going on in Minnesota. Cause I think they have the chance to put something together that works well, especially on offense, but I can't think of a team that has had a new GM, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, new head coach, Kevin O'Connell, and so much roster consistency. There's only so much tearing down you can do in one fell swoop, they've done hardly any. And they're transitioning to a 3-4 defense. And they still haven't done anything more than what they would have done anyway. It is odd to me. The offense is pretty much the same show. You got Dalvin Cook. You got Kirk Cousins. You got Justin, Justin Jefferson. You got Adam Thielen. You got K.J. Osborne. It's amazing to me. The three quarterbacks on the depth chart are the same as they were last year with a new head coach. It's amazing 
that there isn't more roster transition. And you know what? If this works this year for the Vikings, if they get one of the wild card berths, so if they somehow get lucky and win the division, Rick Spielman should get hired for a GM job right away. Because I still don't know why he got fired other than when the owner isn't there every day and you get dysfunction. It gets to the point where we just got to get rid of everyone. Like Mike Zimmer probably just blew it all up. Like it got so bad at the end, they just got to get rid of everyone. Spielman built a pretty good team as evidenced by the fact that the new regime isn't running off the guys that he brought in. Yeah, it's a great point, Mike, because normally when you have a new GM and a new coach, you have a high level of turnover on a roster, and they absolutely didn't do that. In fact, they re-signed Kirk Cousins. I'm 100% buying the training camp hype around who, Shereen? I'm going to go with the Bills and Josh Allen because I do think he's the favorite for MVP, and I do love their team. I love what they've done in the offseason. I think Von Miller... Uh, added to that defense, you know, they couldn't make that stop last year against the Chiefs when they needed to. I think Von Miller, you saw what he did in the Super Bowl, and and that's all he does is win Super Bowls. MVP of the Super Bowl with the Broncos, he won with the Rams last year. Now he has a chance to win with the Bills this year. He picked a good team to go to, and they picked a good guy to have on their team to help make that one stop that they might need in the postseason to get them over the hump into the Super Bowl win. But I love this team. I love this quarterback. I think they're going to be really, really good this year. I don't think they're going to lose very many games. I am buying the hype as it relates to George Pickens, the second-round receiver that the Steelers drafted. We know they have a knack for evaluating and selecting great receivers and developing him into great players And just the mere fact that there's any George Pickens hype, because the Steelers training camp is never about hype. It's about team, and it's out on, you know, it's in bucolic Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and it's not conducive to one player getting a ton of attention, but it seems like George Pickens is getting a ton of attention, and it wouldn't be happening if it wasn't well-deserved. So with anyone on the Steelers, you're only getting hype if you deserve the hype, and he's getting it. So get ready for George Pickens to have a big impact on the NFL. All right. We'll take a break. When we return, how will the Cowboys use their running backs this season and how much pressure is on quarterback Dak Prescott? That's straight ahead on this Friday. Had to stop and think. Friday edition of PFT Live. We'll be right back. So every time I'm with my dad, I love it. of Trayvon Diggs, Cowboys cornerback. Let's talk a little Cowboys, a team that Shereen knows very well. And there's been so much hand-wringing about the James Washington injury and why aren't the Cowboys bringing in a veteran receiver. Well, they do have a plan to make one of their running backs into a slot receiver, and that is happening. Tony Pollard is getting that in place. They plan to have him and Ezekiel Elliott on the field together 
more than ever before. And look, Pollard's got all the motivation. He's in a contract year. Whether he gets it from the Cowboys or somebody else, it, it's, it's got the potential to work very well. If they draw it up right, if Kellen Moore can make it all work. They only got one football, but if he can make it all work, he could be very good. Yeah, I think that's why they're not as concerned about the James Washington injury as maybe some others are. But, Mike, they have to be having some regret, I would think, about trading Amari Cooper with what's happened with the receiver market in the offseason. $20 million is not that much for a receiver. And then you talk about the return that they got for him, a fifth-round pick. I mean, I just really think they wish they had Amari Cooper right now with what's going on with their receiving core. Michael Gallup's not going to be back at the start of the season returning from that ACL injury in January. So Tony Pollard is going to be a huge part of this offense. And, yes, he becomes a free agent after this season. I think he might have as many receptions as he has rushes this year, but they're going to use him, and they're going to use him a lot. His receiving numbers have gone up every single year to 39 for 337 yards last year. It's going to be more than that this year. They want to get him on the field. He's one of their best offensive weapons. They're going to use him. They're going to use him a lot, Mike, and they need to. And you mentioned Amari Cooper. I just think the Cowboys were so dead set when they signed him to that long-term contract, five years, $100 million. When we saw the breakdown, it's like, yeah, this is two years, 40, and then they're going to cut him. And they were going to cut him. That's how it first came up. They're planning to cut him. Then they found a trade, and they never really stopped to think, we can take that $20 million. We can turn the bulk of it into a signing bonus. We can shrink the cap number. The Browns did that. The cap number this year for Amari Cooper is $4.896 million, not $20 million. So yeah. there's a way to work it out. There's a way to buy some time and get more out of a great receiver. Instead, it's more pressure on CeeDee Lamb and even more now with James Washington injured and Cedric Wilson gone and Cooper gone and pressure on Ezekiel and pressure on the guy at the middle of it all. And that's really a question. Uh, for Dak Prescott. Here he is talking recently about the importance of winning a Super Bowl to his overall legacy and the expectations that are on him as he enters year number seven. It's already year number seven of his career. Have a listen. You know, Mike brought up quarterbacks win Super Bowls, you know, and how much do you think about that? Quarterbacks are judged by Super Bowl types. A lot. Uh, a lot. I mean, obviously knowing the quarterbacks that um, played – uh, specifically for this team and knowing their legacy uh, and the ones that we hold at the highest standard, the ones that have Super Bowl rings. So um, it starts there for me is um, trying to uh, fill the shoes of those guys that have come before me um, and do something for this organization that hadn't been done in a long time. You mentioned in the spring, year seven maybe feels kind of surreal just that you've been doing this that long. It's your birthday tomorrow. Do you have time to kind of reflect on you know, seven birthdays, the training camp, that type of thing, or, or not so much in the grind of training camp? Um, I'm sure a moment or so will come, and, and I'll do that. Uh, I like to reflect here and there just to, you know, um, know where I can't, uh, come from and just knowing uh, where I want to get to. Um, it's a quick reflection, but it's definitely uh, moving forward. As they say, the rearview mirror is a whole lot smaller than the front, front windshield. So, um, yeah, I think it's good to, good to do that. I'll be 29, 29th, golden, golden birthday, so i uh, planning for this to be the golden year. I didn't know the 29 was the golden birthday, but uh, I'm almost doubled up. I'll be double golden. We'll both be double golden next year if that's the case. So it is the 29th. He'll be 29 on the 29th. Uh, I'll be 58 on the 58th next year. So uh, regardless, Shereen, you know, when you look at a big picture, he came into the NFL, made a big splash, became the successor to Tony Romo but the postseason success isn't there. And you don't notice it as much for Dak because it hasn't been there for the team for 30 years almost. 
They haven't been to an NFC yeah. Championship since 1995. Dak is one and four in the postseason. How much pressure is on him this year? I think there's a ton of pressure on him, Mike, and he, he kind of alluded to this, but the Cowboys have two tiers of quarterbacks, maybe three, when they were hunting for the next Troy Aikman in between all of that. But you think about the Danny Whites and the Tony Romos, who were really good, who just never could get the Cowboys back to the Super Bowl, a place they haven't been now since 1995. And then you have Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach, who did that who won multiple Super Bowls for this organization. So you want to obviously be in that second tier. You want to be in that tier of guys who've won Super Bowls for this team. And he hasn't even gotten that team to the championship game yet, Mike. And that was a disappointment the way last year ended. And you think back to the run that he made at the end of that game and the decision that was made there, and they didn't get a chance to to try to beat the 49ers. And they, so they lost the 49ers at home in a wild card game and didn't even get to the divisional round. And they were the only team, only home team, by the way, that lost in the wild card round. So they've got to take that next step. I don't look at this roster and say it's better than last year. I look at this roster and say, wow, it's got some real holes in it from the team that ended the season on that AT&T field against the 49ers because when you look at them at receiver, it's not as strong. There's tons of kicker uncertainty, and this might be a team that's going to rely on its kicker. I don't know how many touchdowns they're going to score uh, with the receivers the way they are right now. And then you look at you know swing tackle and – the way they've had injuries with Tyron Smith at, at left tackle. All those, what are you going to do if he goes out this year? You've gotten rid of Lyle Collins. And then you have the pass rusher opposite Demarcus Lawrence. So a lot is on Dak's shoulders because I just don't think this roster is as good as what it was last year. But it's really going to come down to how well that defense plays too, Mike. That play that ended the season last year for the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, the head coach, got the bulk of the blame. But some of it has to fall on the quarterback to the extent that you are the field general. You are the guy who is calling these plays. You're the guy who's practicing these plays. And that's been the big failure here. And here it is. I'm sorry, Cowboys fans, but we're not the ones who called it or ran it or failed to realize that you needed to leave a door open so that the umpire can get through and set the ball. And C.D. Lamb told us at the Super Bowl that when they practiced that they never did that. And look, I I compare quarterbacks when it comes to overall level of obsessive preparation to Peyton Manning because he's at the standard. And maybe it's unfair to compare any other quarterback to Peyton Manning. But there's no way in hell Peyton Manning runs that play. First of all, he can't literally run that play because he can't run. (laughs) But, But there's no way that you do that. There's no way Peyton Manning allows that to be done unless he's already certain that it's going to be executed in a way that works, that is successful, that gives the team more time to run that last play into the end zone instead of trying to do a Hail Mary, to do the draw play. You know, fine, that's good. It's it, I like the concept. How's the execution going to allow us to get toward our goals? And I think Dak has to take some of the blame for that. He's at the point now in his career where he's not just player on the field. He's got to be more than that. He's got to assert himself to the coaching staff, and he's got to be ready to say in practice. He's got to be able to spot and say in practice, are we really practicing this the right way? Are we really going to be ready to do this in a game? And even if you don't practice it the right way, you've got to have the awareness during the game to recognize 
I got to get out of the way so the umpire can come get the ball and set it so I can clock it and have that one shot at the end zone. There's no guarantee they were going to score, but it just was such a disappointing way to see their season come to an end. Yeah, and I would say this. Dak is good. Is he good enough? I don't think anybody knows that yet to to do what Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach did to lead them to the Super Bowl place they haven't been since 1995. I don't think we know that yet, and, and it is getting late in his career, and there might come a day when they do have to make that decision that the Rams and some other teams have made, the 49ers are making this year, to say – He's not good enough to get us where we ultimately want to be. And guess what? Jerry Jones is 80 years old. He doesn't have a long time left to try to win that next Super Bowl. Here's what Dak has to do. He has to teach CeeDee Lamb how to push off. And he has to hope (laughs) that they get assigned a crew in the divisional round, probably in Minnesota, where the push off on a key play that decides the game won't be noticed. Once he does that, he'll be ready to win a Super Bowl, and then you can have a four jersey on the other side of the 12 uh-huh. that you, you're already displaying. By the way, the golden birthday is the day when you turn the age of your birth date. So 29 on the 29th. For me, it was okay. eight on the 8th a long time ago. Shereen, what was it for you? Was it six on the 6th? Is that what six, it was? Am I six right? Six on the 6th. There we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I'd never known that. 57 plus years and I had no idea what the golden birth date was. So now I do. And I kind of wish I didn't. Let's take a break. We'll look at the weekend review when this Friday edition of PFT live continues right after this. All right, week one of the preseason continues, and what we usually do on Friday during the season, the Show Me Something, a.k.a. Daniel Jones draft. And Daniel Jones has already played, so he can't be one of Peter King's selections if Peter were on the program. Shereen, we have a bit where Peter like made Daniel Jones every week for like 10 weeks, the Show Me Something <laughs> candidate. So we're going to do Show Me Something for everybody else who's playing tonight, Saturday, and Sunday. Shereen, you're up first. Who do you want to show you something in week one of the preseason? Well, you know, the Jaguars play the Browns, and all eyes are going to be on the Browns quarterback situation. But I want to see the Jaguars quarterback situation. I want to see Trevor Lawrence play. I want to see what he can do. Hopefully he plays a series or two. Hopefully he plays with Travis Etienne, who he didn't have last year, who was out all year. But to me, this is a crucial year for him. He didn't live up to expectations as a number one overall pick. They went 3-14, and 14, 12 touchdowns, and an NFL leading 17 interceptions. He's got to be better this year. He's got to show the Jaguars something this year. Big year for him. I want to see what he can do in the preseason. He didn't play in the Hall of Fame game. Let's see what he can do this week. I'm going with Carson Wentz because, look, when – The Washington Commanders got him. I thought this is going to be perfect. Ron Rivera will be able to say the right things to him, that this is basically it for you. And I don't really know how it's going. There was some quotes earlier this week. They're not particularly troubled by his issues with accuracy. Kind of important for a quarterback to be accurate. More recently, Ron Rivera said there were unfair narratives about Carson Wentz. Not coach. They're mostly fair narratives at this point about Carson Wentz. He can change it. And he can start that process this weekend by showing us something different than what we've seen in recent years. 
Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. The, he He's their guy, and Ron Rivera has stepped up to him and said he's going to be our guy. He's going to be better than he was the, the with the past two teams he was with. We'll see. This is a start to find out if he really is. All right, round two, you're up. Well, A.J. Green is not going to play in this game. I would highly doubt he's going to play because the top two quarterbacks of the Cardinals aren't playing. But he goes back to Cincinnati, Mike, and I at least hope he suits up and goes out on the field and he's there uh, with his team and they can have a tribute to him uh, because this might be the only time we see him in Cincinnati in a different uniform. And he's always going to be a Bengal. We're always going to associate him with that team. Nine years there, an incredible career in Cincinnati, seven Pro Bowls. I just want to see him there on the field and, and the fans really – uh, give him a hand for what he meant to the Bengals all those years. The Seattle Seahawks fly all the way across the country to play the Steelers in Pittsburgh, which seems odd for the preseason. Pete Carroll said that he wanted his team to go through that process because they'll be doing it in the regular season. But Geno Smith, the leading candidate to be the replacement for Russell Wilson, the guy that I think Pete Carroll wants to take that job. This is his opportunity in Pittsburgh, not far from where he played college football to seize the momentum, to give Pete Carroll everything he needs to say, we're going with the former understudy to Russell Wilson instead of the newcomer in Drew Locke. This is the opportunity for Geno Smith to really convince the fans. I think he's convinced Pete Carroll. Now he's got to push back against that presumption that it's just going to be Drew Locke. Maybe it won't be. It looks like it's going to be Geno Smith if he can get it done on Saturday, maybe it definitely will be. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll do round three of the Show Me Something Week 1 preseason draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Uncalled. Round three, Show Me Something draft for Week 1 of the preseason. Shereen Williams is up. She has picked Trevor Lawrence and A.J. Green. I have Carson Wentz and Geno Smith. Round three, Shereen. I'm going to go with a rematch because I think it's the most intriguing game of the Packers at the 49ers, the NFC Championship game. The quarterbacks have changed in this game. Obviously, a lot has changed. It's a preseason game. But Trey Lance versus Jordan Love, I'm going to go with Jordan Love because, you know, if he plays well, the Packers could have a chance to trade him, whether it's this year or beyond this year, or maybe they hold on to him and he replaces Aaron Rodgers, whatever happens with him. But I do think this is an important preseason for him and for him to play well. And we're going to get to see a lot of Jordan Love this preseason. We're going to get to see a lot of Jordan Love in this game. I want to see what he can do. Is he going to look better than he's looked the past two years? See, I think they keep him because his salary is so favorable, far cheaper than what a backup quarterback would cost. And if Aaron Rodgers would retire after this year, and maybe he will, then he would be the starter next season. It's just a shame. He's the one guy I feel sorry for in all of this drama that the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have had the past couple of years because he didn't choose to be there. He got drafted. Now he's been stuck on the bench behind Rodgers, and he will be for at least three seasons, maybe longer. I'm going to go with the other quarterback in the game that's going to be played up the road from me here on Saturday, Steelers-Seahawks. Mitchell Trubisky, show me something, Mitchell. This is your opportunity to fend off Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. This is your chance to show that you're ready to go, that you'll be the starter at least until you squander it during the regular season and Kenny Pickett plays but this is it this is the dress rehearsal and Trubisky again it's his job to lose and who have an opportunity to lose it on Saturday what can he do with it and can he win 
that job. And I think he will, but we've seen him get injured in the past. I think the moment there's an opening for Kenny Pickett, that's probably when it's over for Mitchell Trubisky, Shireen. Well, and Mike, I think Mitchell Trubisky, I don't know if bad rap's even the the right phrase to use, but I do think he's better than what people think he is. I mean, he's made a Pro Bowl. He's been in the playoffs. He's done some things for the Bears that, you know, maybe shouldn't have gotten him shipped to, to the Bills to end up at the Bills as a backup quarterback last year, and we've kind of forgotten about him. But now he gets his opportunity. It does look like a short-term opportunity with Kenny Pickett sitting behind him. So he's got to play and play well, and it starts with, with whatever game, whether he's going to play this week or next week or whatever. It starts in the preseason to make it happen. Two playoff appearances in four seasons with the Bears. They would have one, but for the double doink, right? Yeah. Uh, when Philadelphia Not beat them fault. in 2018. And, and the head coach there from 2018 through 2020 didn't want him, didn't really yeah. embrace him, didn't fix the offense to fit his skills and abilities. So I think he's got the potential to be pretty good. I thought maybe they wouldn't even draft a quarterback once they signed him, but uh, Hey, Pickett fell to them. That's why I think that's why they weren't desperate to go get Pickett because they were happy with Trubisky, Shireen. Yeah. And he ended up falling to him anyway. That's right. So now they got both. One of them is going to be the starter for now. It's Trubisky. We're finished. Why are you doing this to me? Everybody have a great weekend, except whoever pressed that button. Pass interference. Touchdown. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.